Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. hope you're having a good one. Scott Foster here with you, along with our very own Brandon Bennett and Susan Littlefield and Bob Brogan. The gang's all here as we get things going on this. Uh, we had a little bit of a, uh, they call it a backdoor cold front, I guess, uh, the I, you know, maybe the front door cold fronts are worse. I don't really know how that works, but... Uh, Nothing good comes in the back door. I guess not. And uh, so, I mean, you know, on farms, you just go in the back door. That's right. The front door is never... Nobody ever goes in the porch if it, unless it's salespeople. Right. Okay. Sorry. We'll see. I'm digressing. Hi, Susan. Hello. <laughs> Brandon and I are just having a conversation over here. Sorry to sorry to. It's leave it's you Montana and North, South Dakota's fault. Uh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. they didn't close the back door. I got you. Okay, so they, but we're going to get a lot of that, I'm afraid, and it's going to come north of. See, that's what people don't always understand about Montana and North Dakota is they've got a whole country north of them yet, and that's where we're going to get all our cold coming up pretty soon. I know it's crazy. It is. So, what do you got for us? Sorry. Well, no, you're fine. We're going to kick everything off here at 1219 as we'll hear about the Nebraska Corn Board partnering with Casey's to offer some high ethanol blends. A great opportunity for those that are going to be fueling up their tanks, which we want you to do before that cold weather really hits. Then at 1245, uh, one of my favorite extension educators, Alex, checks up with uh, Randy Sainer to discuss the upcoming beef webinars that are coming up where producers can be prepared for their herd for the potentially high-risk come calving season and during the month of january we're featuring some amazing women in agriculture those are are maybe quiet movers and shakers those that are definitely doing stuff on the local and national front and our first ones at 117 this afternoon is ann meese will be talking about her role in the usfra board and other things that she's doing with the nebraska soybean board all right very good something to look forward to thank you susan i appreciate no problem it. thank you all right we turn it over to brandon bennett's and uh Huskers got a go figure. Nebraska, Fred Hoiberg's Nebraska team they get blown out by Rutgers and turn around and beat a pretty good Iowa team last night. Huskers now improved to seven and eight on the year. They've won three of their last five. Now, yes, Iowa had like eleven and three, eleven and five record coming mm-hmm. into this. They were shorthanded, okay, but still the we'll Huskers got the win. So nice. Husker fans, you can celebrate that your team got a win over. A three-legged stool as opposed to a five-legged stool, but hey, five, a five. win is a no win. Problem. Years from now, all they'll do is count it toward Fred Hoiberg's all-time win total. We're going to update you on the latest in the merry-go-round coaching carousel, whatever go-round circle yep. that you want to call it. Come up with, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Jim Swartz, a uh, person familiar with the negotiations for the New York Giants, talking about a Patriots assistant going and Matt Rule, who completely turned around Baylor now is hoping to turn around the Carolina Panthers and the University of Nebraska Carney wrestling team is headed to the national duels this weekend. We'll hear from head coach Dalton Jensen. All right, very good. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and uh, Stock's doing well right now. Stock's stabilized uh, or stabilized in trading on Wall Street after overnight declines following the uh, missile attack um, on U.S. bases in Iraq. And so we're watching that to see uh, right now they're all up. And uh, meantime, U.S. companies added about 202,000 jobs in December, led by some hiring in construction, trade, transportation, and utilities. All right. Very good. Well, that's all coming up on Mini. 
The opiate crisis is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum, sponsored by Ag West Commodities. Join us Tuesday, February 4th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson, Professor Tina Chasek, clinician Patrick Hall, and others to learn more about the history of this epidemic, why they're so addictive, what communities and states are doing to respond to this issue, and more. The opiate crisis, sponsored by Ag West Commodities, on the next Rural Radio Forum. Colorado and Northern Kansas. Is that, <laughs> Sorry, is that my cue to No, no, you keep going. I'll, I'll just play it over here. <laughs> but all in all, slightly cooler for today, but still above average for our daytime temperatures. We'll see increasing cloud cover. Thanks to a weak cold front pushing in from the northeast, that easterly upslope flow, even as that increase in cloud cover. Slightly warmer day is expected as we head towards tomorrow. That's when the cold front they moved through today pushes back to the east as a warm front. That will be quickly followed by another cold front, so not a Big time warm-up that will last long. Much colder air arriving on Friday. As we see highs only in the 20s for daytime highs on Friday. Adding to that chill on Friday will be some northwest winds at 15 to 30. Accumulating snow is a good possibility with the strong disturbance moving through. Could see light accumulations of 1 to 3 inches. The best chance of snow Friday afternoon into the early overnight. Make sure you do stay up to date with the system. The snow amounts are still fairly uncertain since each forecast model run continues to yield some different results. Now, we do have the latest snowfall forecast map on our KRVN Facebook page. Also, some more small chances for snow Saturday through Monday with additional week disturbances, but nothing that looks too significant. The next period to watch is the middle of next week. Forecast models in good agreement that even colder air will build into the region, but there are some differences on the exact timing. Highs in the teens right now look possible next Wednesday. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be colder than normal. And this is for a long time here, Monday through January 21st, that better chance of colder than normal air over the north central and western U.S. Slightly above normal precipitation is forecast for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 21st. Weather factors affecting the markets include rain chances for southern Brazil, varying conditions in Argentina, and heavy rains and flood concerns in the U.S. Frigid air is settling across the upper Midwest. It's right on our doorstep, not too far away. This morning's temperatures plunged below zero as far south as southern Minnesota and central Wisconsin. Tomorrow through the weekend, a pair of storms will result in a variety of weather hazards across the central and eastern U.S. Some light snow will fall tomorrow across the northern U.S. Friday, more significant snow will develop on the central plains. This weekend, that snow will affect parts of the Midwest and northern New England. Heavy rain will fall from the southeast plains into the lower Great Lakes and possibly trigger widespread flooding. In the Midwest, possibly severe flooding in some locations may impact the winter wheat. Very cold air will trail these storms into parts of the western and central U.S. Towards Brazil, most conditions are favorable for crops right now. Towards the hot and dry areas of Rio Grande do Sul, rain chances likely to increase at the end of this week through early next week. Rains will likely improve their corn and soybean conditions. Argentina's key growing areas of Cordoba and Santa Fe should see scattered thunderstorms later this weekend to maintain favorable conditions for development. Buenos Aires and La Papa, somewhat drier. Recent rainfall helped to improve their conditions, but more is still needed. I think I saw a little bit ago on the Weather Channel that they're expecting maybe some rain in Australia. That so, would be good news. Well, so, yeah, 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 I, I did hear that too. Uh, you know, 
because you can only do so much uh, dropping water. That's right. Natural water, a lot yeah. better. They, they definitely need it, and it's just so dry. So thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. We will look forward to that uh, weather change coming up. So again, get your parkas out. If you haven't already, you'll be needing that. And enjoy these days in the 40s today and tomorrow because they'll probably be short-lived. or probably won't be seeing them too, any too time soon. Looking back on them fondly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTab, KRVN.com. Partnering to offer higher ethanol blends across the state of Nebraska. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Through a new partnership between the Nebraska Corn Board and Casey's General Stores, motorists in Nebraska will have increased access to higher blends of American ethanol. Through its Blender Pump Initiative Infrastructure Program, the Corn Board provided grant assistance to help Casey's upgrade existing fuel pumps to offer unleaded 88, which is a 15% ethanol blend. Twelve Casey's locations in Nebraska have been upgraded, which include nine in Omaha, one in La Vista, another in Papillion, and finally one in Norfolk. John Greer is the District 2 Director for the Nebraska Corn Board and a farmer from Edgar. Well, the Corn Board has made it a priority to try and put blender pumps out uh, so the uh, public, general public can have access to not only E10 but E15, E30, and E85. And so we've been working with retailers the last couple, well, more than two years, I guess, three or four years, about getting these pumps out. And things are really starting to, um, I, I feel, come together right now because we have a lot of interest, and we've we certainly put a lot of pumps out there for uh so they're not hard to find, and the general public can find them and, and use uh, ethanol, which is a great product. Can you share some of the details of how this program works? Is it uh, kind of a cost-share kind of a deal where the Corn Board will pitch in to, to put in some of those pumps? The Corn Board has been putting in uh, or allocating uh, about $50,000 for each um, location. They have to complete the work before we will issue the money, but we feel it's a pretty good partnership. Going back, it's it's really expensive to put these things in if you have to change all your tanks. Casey certainly has been a great partner, and they've uh, they've committed a lot of their resources to doing uh, or, or to making uh, higher blends available to everyone. On the flip side of that, maybe closer to home for you as well, boosting ethanol demand uh, certainly helps the corn farmer out in the rural communities that have ethanol plants there, right? Uh, certainly. You know, Nebraska likes to look at things through the what we call the golden triangle, and that's corn, cattle, and ethanol. And with the ethanol production, then, of course, you get the value-added feed, uh, uh, the seller screens with that, which are, makes great feed for cattle. And uh, now we're moving into more poultry and, and hog production in the state. So it, it's a win-win-win thing. It's a win for the consumer because they're getting a clean-burning fuel. It's a win for the farmer because he is a corn farmer because he's getting or establishing this great market and it's a win for well it's a win for everybody it's just a good it's just a good thing and then we're using homegrown products we're we're supporting one another in in this uh, in in the state john what else would you like to add about some of the work that's going on with the nebraska corn board and ethanol well i just encourage people to look at if they're not using an ethanol product Look at uh, Clean 88, look at, uh, you know, certainly E10, uh, Clean 88. If 
if you had a flex fuel vehicle, 30 or, or 85 uh, uh, percent blend would they're they're made to to burn that and to utilize it. It's good for the environment. It's it's good for Nebraska's economy, and uh, hopefully it's going to be good for the region and the world. Edgar, Nebraska farmer John Greer has been our guest as we discuss the Nebraska Corn Board's new partnership with Casey's to offer higher ethanol blends. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Twelve twenty-four. Now let's make it twelve twenty-five here on a Wednesday afternoon, and time for us to take a look at sports. Brandon Bennett's in here. Good afternoon, sir. Abley coming out of the bullpen. Abley, at Abley. least doing the Lanky best I can. Right-hander. Yep, yep, yep. Why is it that a right-hander mm-hmm. is never referred to as crafty? Yeah. It's always a crafty lefty, and then other words to describe whatever the right-hander is. Mm-hmm. But you never hear don't. a right-hander referred to as crafty. It's always a crafty lefty. Hmm. It's like you never hear someone under the age of 80 referred to as spry. It's true. Well, I, I don't know. These are all uh, important questions, I'm sure. And I'm completely derailing your sports show right now. So go but giving you things to think about here on a great KRVN afternoon. Cam Mack had his fourth double-double of the season to lead Nebraska. 76-70 to victory over Iowa last night at the Pinnacle Bank of Ram. Did you ever score a double-double uh, in your career? N- not on the basketball court, no. Okay. I had one time I came really close to a triple-double. I had 12 points, 8 boards, and I think 8 blocks, 7 nice. blocks. Impressive. That, that was my, I'll never forget that. Anyway, Good for you. Mac poured four, 15 points and dished out 10 assists for Nebraska as the Huskers put 5 players in double figures, posting their fourth straight win over the Hawkeyes and Lincoln. Mac had produced 3 of his double-doubles in conference play and a 10 assists and just 1 turnover in 39 minutes of play yesterday evening. Huskers have now won 3 of their past 5 to improve to 7-8 and eight on the year and 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. And the carousel merry-go-round, whatever circle that you want to refer to it, for coaches, for coaches continues in the NFL. Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz interviewing today with the Cleveland Browns. Schwartz is the sixth candidate to meet with the Browns because you know they need all the help they can get. They're again looking for a new head coach, but there's two words that owner Jim Haslam has promised. Disciplined and thorough. And if there's anything right now that the Cleveland Browns need, they need some discipline and they need some thoroughness. And there's going to be no reason for the Browns to rush since they're the only team now still looking for a coach. Swartz was a de- the Detroit Lions head coach from 2009 to 13. He inherited an 0-16 team, took it to the playoffs in his third season, ended up going 29-52 and with Detroit after the wheels fell off after that. And a related note, Urban Meyer is taking no phone calls right now for the next couple months. I can only imagine. <laughs> a person familiar with the negotiation says the New York Giants are working on the deal with New England Patriots assistant Joe Judge to become the Giants head coach. 38-year-old has worked under Bill Belichick at New England and Nick Saban in Alabama, so that's a pretty good pedigree. Resume's looking all right. Judge would take over a team that went 4-12 and and 5-11 and in Pat Shermer's last two years. And Matt Rule has left Baylor University to become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. 44-year-old has accepted a seven-year, $62 million contract to replace Ron Rivera, who was fired last month with four games remaining in a 5-11 and season. And then Mr. Rivera jumped ship to go to 
the Washington Redskins last week. Matt Rule led Baylor to an 11-1 regular season before losses to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game and Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And the University of Nebraska, Kearney, they had a pretty good weekend this past weekend in Fremont at an open meet, and then they've got some great things coming up. Dalton Jensen, the head coach for the University of Nebraska Kearney wrestling team, recaps the past weekend that was. Start off the semester going to that open over in Fremont, Nebraska, over at the Midland University, and you know, kind of a good starter for our guys. You know, as we head into the second semester, it's kind of a transition with you know some guys that either they've been hurt or they were ineligible for a semester. So, getting these guys back and getting some mat time, and especially before we head to the national dual championships next week, kind of good to get these guys back down to weight post Christmas and get a couple matches in and get ready to go. The Viking Warrior Open on Saturday was UNK's first event of the spring semester. The Lopers now head to Louisville, Kentucky this weekend for the annual U.S. Marine Corps NWCA Multi-Divisional National Dual Championships. Coach Jensen gives us a preview of what we can expect in Louisville. It looks like we will be the number six seed for the National Dual Championships. I believe there's 18 teams that are in the bracket, and this will kind of looks like the match us up. If they go off the seeds, probably looking at Pitt Johnstown, the number three seed in the quarterfinals. So a couple of good opportunities and, and good matchups for some of our guys. Uh, you know, if we do get lucky enough to, to get Pitt Johnstown in the quarterfinals, we could see a rematch of the national finals between our 33-pounder Wesley Dawkins and, and their wrestler Ty Warner. So that would be a great matchup to see. This annual double elimination dual tournament brings together the top wrestling teams from NCAA Divisions 2 and 3, the NAIA, and junior college ranks, as well as collegiate women's programs. All right. Very good. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time here today. And uh, is it, by the way, is the closest thing we have to a southern, is it Louisville or Louisville? It depends on who you talk about. All right. Just like, is it Missouri or Missouri? Right, right. Or Misery is yeah. Some people might say some people might call okay. it. Is it Louisville? It depends on how many syllables you want to put and how many <laughs> how how much you want to enunciate. Louisville or Louisville? Louisville. 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 All right. Very good. Grit your teeth and don't move your lips. Louisville. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. The Wilson Public Library has made its sixth selection into the One Book One Cozad program with the selection of The Line Between by Tosca Lee. This selection, as Lori Yocum, the director of the Wilson Public Library, describes, is a unique addition to the One Book, One Cozad. A lot of our previous selections have really been uh, nonfiction or more historical based. This is set in, you know, present time. It's a thriller. It's just a very fast-paced novel. I think people who haven't taken part in our One Book, One Cozad will really enjoy it if they like the thriller suspense type of novels. Regular scheduled book discussions and events will be held through May at the Wilson Public Library for all interested persons starting in February. More information can be found at wilsonpubliclibrary.com. Nebraska lawmakers have kicked off their 2020 session with an expected focus on property taxes, the state's flood recovery, and a surplus of tax revenue after several years of tight budgets. The new 60-day session will put senators in a time crunch as they consider fresh proposals in addition to legislation carried over from last year's 90-day session. The first proposals slated for debate include a tax exemption for military retirees and a bill that would allow teachers to physically restrain violent students in classrooms. Senators in the one-house nonpartisan legislature will introduce new bills starting Wednesday. 
As 2020 begins, many people will create new health goals for themselves. Dr. Greg Brown of the UNK Exercise Science Program recommends making small goals to achieve larger goals. And if you have a good specific goal, if you know, start off small. Start with things that you can achieve simply. 10 minutes of walking a day, or one more fruit a day, or one less can of soda a day, something like that that's pretty easy. And a lot of times these short-term goals are simple, like, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up 20 minutes earlier so I can go for a walk. And so you can do those small steps to get to larger steps. Brown also adds that creating incentive-based goals, such as purchasing new clothing or shoes after reaching a goal weight, can help in keeping your New Year's resolutions. Lieutenant Governor Mike Foley presided over the convening of the legislature this morning. The 106th legislature, second session of the legislature of Nebraska, assembled in the George W. Norris Legislative Chamber of the state capitol at the hour of 10 a.m. on Wednesday, January 8, 2020, is now called to order. Lawmakers opened the session with a short ceremony, then got down to the business of introducing new bills. Legislative priorities include gathering 33 votes for a property tax relief plan, consideration of a replacement for a business tax incentive package set to sunset at the end of the year, and dealing with prison overcrowding, to name a few. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki, joined in studio by Randy Sainer. He's a beef systems extension educator with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Randy, we're beginning the season of uh, conferences and seminars, and so just in time, we're going to be talking about the UNL Beef Roundup webinars that are January 21st and 28th. Tell us a little bit more about this program and what producers can expect. So so this this uh, program is is here to help producers for calving season, kind of getting ready for the calving season, as well as some some topics on herd health. And then, you know, what do we see as economic drivers in the industry right now? Those are the main topics that we're going to cover. Um, and every year we do this, and this is one we do around the state. We used to travel from uh, county to county, and now we do it via webinar so that everybody can hook up at the same time. You can ask them, you can ask them questions. You can see the person presenting. And also, you can get it from your home. So if you want to just watch it at home, you just got to call your local extension educator or send them a check for $10. We'll get you the coordinates. And we were talking kind of before we got recording. You're going to be expecting a few different speakers from Nebraska and Kansas State. Talk about those right, and what they'll right. be discussing. So, so Mary Dronowski is going to talk a little bit about minerals and the importance of minerals. And, and we know that you know minerals are important. Um, sometimes we spend a lot of money for minerals. Sometimes we don't spend any. We need to be somewhere in the middle, but we need to at least cover those those problems because we have seen some problems with minerals this year where we've seen some deficiencies. And so we want to be careful. We want to cover the mineral issue with our cow herd. In, in other words, make sure we meet their requirements. And she's going to talk about some minerals that would meet the requirements for, for cows. And then Travis Mullinex is going to talk also that on the 21st, and he's going to talk more about nutrition of the cow herd. You know, we had some problems last year with open cows and stuff. We can talk a little bit why and the things we need to think about. And part of it is making sure, you know, our cows are in good condition score. It gives us a little bit of a break when it comes to cold weather and stuff. If they're thin, it takes a lot more feed. And it's hard to keep that cow from losing condition score if she goes into the fall really thin. So we're already into the fall. But, but again, we're going to have to cover those, those feeding days, 
the last 90 days of, of gestation are really important if you want to have a strong calf. Last year we had calves that had some low colostrum, and that was because it was so cold and so wet. The cows just could not eat enough to keep them going. And so, and, and our hay quality was really low. We expect pretty low hay quality this year. Now, some people have had pretty good, but in general, it's low. Again, when we have low hay quality, that means they're getting less nutri nutrients from energy and protein. And you may have to use add some distillers or some kind of feed that's going to help with that um, energy as well as protein. Because protein, protein will help us utilize that poor quality forage, but it won't give us enough energy when, we're, when we have a lot of wet weather and cold weather. We have to add some energy source and like distillers or something like that, or a higher quality hay. Very good. And then a few other um, presenters on the 28th. Who are those going to yes. be in? And, and that's going to be um, Dr. Dustin Pinnell, agriculture economist from Kansas State. He's going to talk a little bit about some of the economic drivers for the cattle industry and what's happening there. Um, that's what his research area is in, and I think it'll be quite interesting to see what, you know, what, what's happening in the industry, what, what things are changing and what's going to be important in the future. And then for our final speaker, Dr. Brian Vanderlei is with the Great Plains uh, Veterinarian Education Center, and he'll conclude with um, how to make your cows more resilient, health resilient. And, you know, we had, we had some problems last year with, um, with some calves getting sick in the summer. It was because they got poor colostrum last year. What do we need to do as far as some immunizations and things that maybe will help with that? And, you know, let's, let's try to be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to our cow herd. And he'll talk about some ways we can do that. As you've talked to producers across the state, what have been some concerns that you've heard from them, and how can they prepare for that calving season? Well, a lot of it's been, you know, we had more open cows, so they're not even going to calve. Um, but to keep the cows bred that we have, you know, it's important to, to get those nutrients up those last 90 days. And when we get cold, wet, wet weather, we need to increase our feeding. And a lot of times we can't feed enough good quality hay to, to make it work. We have to feed some kind of a supplement like a distillers or something that's going to add energy and protein. Well, this webinar is going to bring a lot of really timely topics for these producers. What's the best way to register for these programs? So I would recommend you, there are several numbers on, on here that you can call, several locations. But I would just say get a hold of your local beef educator and if you can't get a hold of them, get a hold of your local extension educator in your county, and he, they will get with the beef educator, and then we can get you signed up. So you said that they can do it at home, but the locations are also in Broken Bow, Shadron, Curtis, Fullerton, Hardington, Kimball, Kearney, North Platte, Scotts Bluff, Valentine, and Whitman. So you can get a hold of those extension educators. Randy, is there anything else we need to talk about that's important? Just, just um, the, we need to continually monitor our cow herd this year because, you know, we had kind of a high end. Um, risks last year and, and it still kind of could affect us this year so really that nutrition is really important this year and keeping those cows in good condition is going to help you get those cows rebred and you're going to have stronger calves also all right thanks for the information we've been visiting with randy saner he's a beef systems extension educator with the university of nebraska lincoln and just as a reminder you need to register by next friday january 17th if you're interested in attending the UNL Beef Roundup webinars, and you can do so by contacting your local extension office. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Um. It is time for our midday business report here on this Wednesday afternoon. 
Let's take a look at uh, the markets right now. Markets down, the Asian markets down at least pretty significantly in the overnights. The Japanese Nikkei down 385, which is huge for them. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down 286. London's FTSE was up, but just barely, pretty much even par there in London. And the German DAX index was uh, up 93. Here in the United States, stocks have surged after uh, the president's speech. Uh, as we look at uh, the 10-year yield, it's up over 2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up nearly 200 points. The Nasdaq is up 71, and the Standard & Poor is up 19. Bob Rogan for more. As Scott said, markets have stabilized a little bit after uh, overnight declines following Iran's missile attack. Stocks move broadly higher in morning trading on Wall Street, and oil prices pulled back as Iran and the U.S. appeared to tone down their rhetoric. That missile attack comes a week after a U.S. drone strike killed a key Iranian general. Elsewhere, U.S. companies added 202,000 jobs in December, led by robust hiring in construction, trade, transportation, and utilities. All those things looked at as good by the market. And uh, payroll processor ADP, which did that survey, said today that the bulk of the hiring was among smaller and mid-sized companies, businesses, uh, with fewer than 500 employees. Hiring in November was also revised upward to 124,000, a sign that the job market was stronger than past surveys initially suggested. Walgreens is kicking off its year, much as it ended its last, with a big, with a big earnings plunge. First quarter net income tumbled about 25% as the drugstore chain filled fewer prescriptions than expected, and continue to work through a cost-cutting program geared to produce billions in future savings. Macy's uh, is closing nearly 30 stores in coming weeks, though the company reported some improvement in comparable stores sales during the crucial holiday shopping season. Many companies like Macy's are uh, dealing with the... uh, uh, consumers changing the way they purchase things and going online and purchasing things there. And uh, uh, brick-and-mortar stores have had to respond to that. Some have responded better than others and faster than others. Takata is recalling 10 million more front airbag inflators (laughs) sold to 14 different automakers. Let me just stop you right there. Why are there still any Takata airbags out there anywhere? It's every, every so often we hear of more. I have no idea. I think we've been talking about Takata forever and a day. Oh, my goodness. If you have Takata airbags, uh, just go and get them replaced. I'm just saying that right now. Consumer Uh, Report. I think that would be a darn good uh, thing to do, but I can't uh, motivate the entire U.S. base. uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to to hijack your newscast. No, in fact, I'm glad you hijacked it because uh, somebody needed to. Continue, please. Uh, there really isn't much to continue with, except okay. that um, we'll move off the subject of Takata. The Nebraska legislature kicked off its session, so senators are back in Lincoln. That's got to be a little bit of an economic boost. And also uh, uh, the uh, students at uh, mm. UNL and also all of our other fine colleges and universities in the state will be uh, heading back. So that'll be economic boosts for uh, all those communities. That's right. Busy, busy time for sure. Well, Bob, I I, uh, I thank you and, uh, you know, get those Takata airbags checked, will you? I will. Okay, thanks.
the month of January, we are featuring some amazing women involved in agriculture. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network, talking today with Ann Meese. Ann wears a couple of hats. She's a part of the Nebraska Soybean Board. She's a Nebraska lead alum, and she's on the board for USFRA. I asked her what type of advice would she give to a woman wanting to be in more involved in ag. Do it. Find your niche. Find your interests. Squeeze in that time that you think you don't have and um, you'd be amazed you know whether it's volunteering in your 4-H program whether it's being on your county extension board uh, being involved in your local community those are great stepping stones or just when someone asks you know be open and to the idea even on you know get involved in your farm bureau there's so many opportunities and need for people to and, and women in general to get involved in agriculture. So what's been the most exciting thing you've done so far? Oh, wow. Um, I, I think I'm pretty excited about serving on the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance Board um, and currently serving as their secretary as this organization is really trying to take a leadership role and take on the topic of climate smart farming um it's 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 makes me nervous sometimes because the ag community isn't always open to this idea that um you know the, the but the society companies everyone is talking about um climate and if we don't jump in here and and start in the discussion take some leadership role in this discussion uh we're going to get run over and so i i'm excited about u.s farmers and ranchers alliance talking about how as farmers and agriculturalists we're the caretakers and the stewards of the soil and there is amazing opportunity in the way we farm and the way we practice in the future that we can actually draw down carbon and we can be the solution to a lot of issues in this space and we're doing it and others are talking about it and if we don't take the leadership mandates are going to come down and farmers uh, need to be in this conversation so i'm kind of excited uh about that opportunity and what i'm learning through this working with people of like minds you definitely can hear hear the passion and the excitement as you talk about it. And what a great opportunity, not only to educate other women, but to just educate agriculture in general. Yes, I, I really think this is taking a, a new turn on this issue and um, really stepping forward in agriculture. And uh, this organization is definitely trying to uh, bring in an all-encompassing groups that are going are willing to to step up it's a big it's a big step uh we don't know where it's going to lead but i think it's it's needed and um i think possibly this is the organization i i do not possibly i think this is the organization that can fill that role of leadership in agriculture to to take on this issue wonderful anything else you'd like to add and I always keep in mind, uh, working on the Nebraska Soybean Board, that I represent the producers in my district and the, all the hardworking soybean farmers in Nebraska. And Today's Woman in Ag, and Meese. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, some interesting dynamics happening from the overnight trade now as we start to settle out in our grain markets. And that happens. We saw Iran launch missiles, crude oil jumps, grains jump lower. Now it's kind of an opposite reaction here at the close. Yeah. I've used this opportunity as a way to kind of tell everybody again, don't trade overnight markets. I think you chase news in the overnights. Going back to this summer, and it happened a lot in the grains where you get bullish news, it just doesn't seem to pay over the longer run. So if you had restraint, you caught it almost $5 lower than where it was 12 hours ago. So it's uh, it was amazing moving crude, and as crude came off, we started to see the markets rally a little bit on the grain side, led by wheat. Really, Chicago wheat is, is the story right now. They have stocks, I think I saw yesterday, at 10-year lows as far as deliverable stocks. Uh, and it's, there's a bullish move. You know, the fact that we're $1.75 under wheat is, is a very, very bullish sign, in my opinion, for corn, uh, if we can get the date on Friday. And that's the thing. We're all just kind of waiting for something to spark the market and maybe put in a reason to price ration a little bit. Right now, that doesn't really exist, but doesn't mean it won't. And I think you have to just kind of have some faith that, you know, if the USDA doesn't admit to it in this report, they'll admit to it in the coming reports. They usually do it in these quarterly numbers. So uh, this is an opportunity, in my opinion, to, to buy some calls ahead of this report and, you know, possibly have something they're selling to if we get back up into the mid-390s. And then that is the next question is, where does resistance start to come in if we get the positive data? Where could be the top side of that move? Well, we'll start at 391. I mean, that's that's been kind of the level here, 390, 391, which we just could not get through really going back to the middle part of December. When we break that out on the further charts, if you're looking at March, you're looking, you know, possibly as high as 407, 405 in that area. I don't think we'll get through that at this point, though. I think we'll need some sort of weather problem either to develop in South America, which doesn't exist right now, or some sort of planning issue with the U.S. Uh, at this point, you know, Prices are higher in other commodities, which I think is supportive for corn. There's still a lot of corn that needs to clear to raise money, but uh, I think that's only a matter of time. We don't face any delivery pressure either, which is nice. I think if this is a month from now, I'd be more apt, more apt to tell folks, hey, you've got to look at selling the March here. But uh, my advice to folks would be be ready to buy if it would break into the, low, the mid-370s on corn and then look to sell it if up around like 405 to 407. Again, we've been talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Again, published for the newsletter this week in Grain. To see that newsletter and learn more, visit their website, danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. We see, again, corn ending a quarter lower, but we do see a penny higher in that September 2020 contract. Beans, though, ending anywhere from two and a half to three and a quarter higher, and wheat ending impressively in the green. This is the Rural Radio Network. And that's going to do it for our midday program here today on KRVM. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to krvn.com. Sponsored by Devaney Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Devaney Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.